All right, good morning everybody. It's great to see all of you. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Today we are not having our first Sunday fellowship meal as we typically do on first Sundays because that's really being moved to Thursday night and we're also not taking the Lord's Supper uh, this morning as we would typically do on a first Sunday but that is also being moved to Thursday night. We're having our Thursday night meal uh, remembering the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples before his crucifixion. And uh, we'll be joining together as a church family, doing that over in the gym, and then also having um, the Lord's Supper over there around the tables as well. So we invite all of you to come and take part in that. You'll be hearing more about that during the announcement time. First uh, Corinthians 12, I want to read a couple of, of uh, the verses or sections of this chapter today for us as we jump off into this last message from 1 Corinthians 12 that I've entitled Concerning Spiritual Gifts, all right? So in chapter 12, if you'd pick up at verse 7, I'll read a few verses here and then we'll go to the end of the chapter. Uh, The Bible says here, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, if you would join me at verse 27, near the end of the chapter, Scripture says here, Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts? And yet I show you a more excellent way. May the Lord's blessings be upon the reading of his word uh, this morning to our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to uh, your word this morning, um, Father, I thank you that we can come through Christ, our Savior, the one who, through faith in him, Father, we find justification before you and peace with God. Uh, So, Lord, we can come this morning uh, to your word and to you and to you through song and through prayer uh, because of Jesus. And Father, today I thank you for the gospel again and that we were able to sing about the the one who died for us that we might live. And it is true, continues to be true, and will be true for all of eternity. So Lord, uh, bless us now as we look into your word, please. Give me the strength and grace to deliver your word to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so in case you remember or forgot why we're calling this concerning spiritual gifts, you might look back at verse 1 of chapter 12, because there it says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant, because that's where, that's where it started. That's where I got the title from, to this little uh, series, at least from 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to change that up when we move on to the other passages. But you'll see as you flip back in your Bibles, going all the way back to chapter 7, that Paul is dealing with, the, dealing with some issues that the Corinthians had written to him about. For instance, you see there in chapter 7, verse 1, Now concerning the things of which I wrote, uh, the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. He goes on into talking about that. And then we go to verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 1. Paul there says, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So he was talking to them there about the uh, things that uh, concern uh, idols. So he's dealing with them on that particular uh, topic uh, there. I believe there's another one somewhere else that I'm not seeing, but then we see this one in chapter 12 where he comes here and he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. So Paul is uh, dealing with certain issues that they have written to him about, and he's addressing those in this first letter in the Corinthian correspondence, the first letter that we have recorded in Scripture, even though we know there are others that were that are not in the canon of Scripture, uh, but there are other writings that Paul uh, gave to the Corinthians, That, uh, but we only have two of the letters that are found here. Now, we come here, and you might have noticed on your handout that I've actually got us going through chapter 14 this morning, all right, So, uh, and I do hope to do that. And, you know, I realize that there is a very fine line between a lengthy sermon and a hostage situation, all right? And I do not want you all to feel like this turns into a hostage situation this morning. I've been in some of those hostage situations at various times sitting and listening to sermons, and I don't want us to feel that way this morning, so we need to move quite quickly. And the first point that I have for you is this. I want us to see the gifts of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I promised that we would go back and look at those, so we're going to do that here. And I've got got two lists I'm going to put up on the board for you, and then I'm actually going to put them side by side. So this is the first one, the first group of um, spiritual gifts that we find here in chapter 12. And there is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, Gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. So we'll jump in this. I'm not going to elaborate on these a whole lot. I probably will not scratch everybody where they itch this morning when it comes to uh, these spiritual gifts and defining them the way that perhaps you would like for them to be defined. But we're going to work our way through them because, like I said, we do have a lot that we need to cover this morning. So we see the first two, you know, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. And, you know, as I'm looking at that and thinking about explaining it to you, I kind of feel like I need a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge in order to explain it to you that would be uh, kind of nice but it is that apparently that application of truth in a particular situation it is something that was apparently unknown being made known through the spoken word in the church so there's a spoken word of wisdom there is a spoken word of knowledge about a particular situation I, I tried to think of some examples on these I thought about on this one perhaps um 
Peter in Acts chapter 5 when Ananias and Sapphira came lying to the Holy Spirit about what they had, uh, uh, the amount of money that they had sold a piece of land for. And Peter, you know, knew that they were lying to the Holy Spirit. And he knew what was going to happen to them. And he spoke that saying that they're going to fall down dead. And both of them did at different times. So maybe that is a manifestation of that or an example of that in the book of Acts. Uh, I don't don't know. Maybe you can be the judge on that. Then we see faith number three. This is not a a faith of saving faith or even a persevering faith, but this is a mountain moving faith is what uh, Jesus might have called this. And this is what they would have even called this because we're going to see that in chapter 13. That's exactly what it was, a mountain moving kind of faith. You think about people, Christians in the past, Men perhaps such as um, George Mueller, Hudson Taylor, William Wilberforce, others who have died for the faith. Uh, Many, many people who have gone before us that we can read about in Christian biographies. And I will, like someone else has said, I will commend to you Christian biographies. They are wonderful for you as they you can see in the lives of so many saints who have gone before us. People who believed God, they trusted in the Lord, and they went about to do His will work and to do his will and God blessed them and sustained them through that so I commend to you Christian biographies because so often in that we see the mountain moving faith evidenced in the lives of these Christians now the next one we see there is gifts of healings guess what that is it's it's gifts of healings where someone needed to be healed and they are healed the gift is either something that is to the person who um, initiates that prays lays hands on whatever it might be the apostle Paul once was preaching he had one of those uh, hostage situations he was the one holding everybody hostage it went late into the night in the book of Acts and a guy named Eutychus got sleepy eyes got heavy he fell out of a window about two stories up and he was laying there dead and the apostle Paul went and and raised him from the dead uh, apparently and he uh, went about and and, and lived so uh, gifts of healings and perhaps that is an example of that in the church working of miracles this is a a power it's the word that dynamite comes from dunamis is found in that but it could be the casting out demons all sorts of things that take place y'all remember the apostle Paul when he is on the isle of Malta and he was gathering up some sticks and he put them on the fire and something came out of those sticks and and bit him. Does anybody remember what it was? Viper. And he shook it off and just went about his business. All the natives stood around there and watched. They said, oh, he's going, he's about to swell up and fall over and die. The judgment of God has followed him here. He has not escaped it, but he just went on about his business. And that maybe is an example of a miracle that took place there with Paul. Prophecy, the speaking of um, the truth of God being divinely inspired uh, by God to speak forth his word, discerning of spirits. Let's think about an example of that. Acts chapter 16. Paul was in Philippi. Do you remember that? There was a, um, a girl there with the spirit of divination that we heard about. And she went around actually saying something pretty good. She was saying something to the effect, these men are servants of the Most High God. These men are servants of the Most High God. That sounds that sounds pretty reasonable. They were servants of the Most High God. After a few days, Paul looked at her and rebuked the spirit that was within her because he was able to discern that even though she was saying something that was accurate, it was coming from the wrong spirit. And he therefore rebuked that spirit. So perhaps that is an example of discerning of spirits. Kinds of tongues, that means different languages. Tongues, there is languages. 
We're going to see from the uh, Corinthians that that meant languages of men and languages of angels. We'll see that in a moment. And then we see interpretation of tongues. That's translation of tongues where the person, a gift, is the ability to translate that which is spoken in another language. All right? So that is as much a gift here as the languages or the kinds of tongues that are given, uh, that were given to them. All right, let's go to the next list. In the next list in verses 28 through 30, that's found at the end, we have five new gifts that are introduced here. And we will see in this that Paul says in verse 28, and God has appointed these in the church first apostles. All right, so he, it is important the, the order that he is given here. Because frankly, without the apostles, we would not have the church. So the apostles are first. Think with the apostles established the church. E word, established the church. And then we come to the prophets. With the prophets here, let's think of another E word. Let's think of the word edified the church. Apostles establish the church. Prophets edify the church. And I'll show you why I would point that out here in just a moment. And then number three, teachers. These are three new gifts introduced in this list in order and priority. And the third one, let's think of another E word, educates the church. Apostles establish the church. Prophets edify the church. Teachers educate the church. And then we go to miracles, which we've already discussed. Gift of healings, we've already discussed. And then the gift of helps is given to some. The gift of helps means to bring relief and aid. All right? There is a situation. There is a need in the church. And you are, um, you are, they were in particular uh, able to come and give relief. To that situation. I think about Priscilla and Aquila. In the book of Acts. The apostle Paul. Seemed to be greatly helped by them. In his ministry. Along with so many other people. And then we have the, the uh, gift of administrations. This is the last of the five. That are introduced in this list. Not only are these gifts. But we see in this with some of them. That they are also uh, offices. They are positions. But this gift of administrations, the, the every, just about everybody uses the uh, phrase, this phrase to describe what administrations is. It is the ability to pilot a ship. It is the ability we would look at in the church to uh, have oversight over many different ministries, and with you know it would be with enthusiasm and with ability to give guidance to those ministries so that is a gift that is given to the church administrations and then we see the varieties of tongues and interpretation all right let's put them up next to each other there's nine in each list as i said there's uh, nine given there to begin with in the second list there's five new ones that are introduced now if you look at that first list i'll remind you of the situation there in corinth they were wrapped up in spiritual gifts they were glorifying the gift rather than seeking to use the gift to glorify christ and to edify the church and that's why when you look at that first list those are all kind of like, ooh ah wow those are ooh 
that's really cool to have that particular gift. And, and that's the reason Paul addressed those. Because he's saying to them, no matter what your gift is, it's all given by one Spirit, not for your benefit, but for the benefit and the profit of the body of Christ, the church. And you, Corinthians, have got to remember that that's what these gifts are all about. Okay? So now when he comes to this second list, he gives a list where they would have looked at apostle and they would have said, apostle, that's not, you know, who wants to be... Who wants to be an apostle? And maybe for good reason they thought that. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4. He said, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we've been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak. But you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. Now, do you see why they weren't glorying in being an apostle? Trying to be that? It's not, you know, that's a low position. They didn't want that. Now, you might, you might ask the question, do we have apostles today? Not with a capital A, not in the, the way that there were in the New Testament. But are there people sent out from the church to, to establish churches? Now, what do we call them? We call them missionaries. If we were taken and put back in the first century, we would call those people apostles because they're being sent out by the church. You see in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, not just apostles who were appointed by Christ, like the original 12, but you see apostles with lowercase a, if you will say that, who were sent out by the church. Barnabas and Silas, for instance, may be an example of that. Okay, so when it comes to apostles, they, the Corinthians did not hold that in high regard. And there are other passages that we could look at on that. Uh, so that's, that's a quick summary. Now let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is going to bring us to our next point. We'll see the greatest in 1 Corinthians 13. All right, the greatest. You notice that he ended there in verse 31 of chapter 13. 12 where he says but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet i show you a more excellent way all right so he says desire these higher gifts desire these greater gifts and what were the the greater gifts they would be the gifts that bring the most edification to the church we're going to see that that would be what it is most likely but he says does earnestly desire it but yet i'm going to show you something even better all right so let's go to chapter 13 uh, I'm going to go ahead and put this up there before I forget. What's the greatest? It's love. All right. Here we go. Chapter 13, verse 1. Do not divorce this from chapter 12 because the gifts overflow into chapter 13. Pay attention. Chapter 13 was written because chapter 12 needed to be written. Because of the confusion of spiritual gifts in chapter 12 or in the church in Corinth that Paul is addressing, he is now writing to them chapter 13, this great love chapter. Verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues, the languages 
of men and of angels. But have not love. I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. In other words, I'm just out there making noise like my wind chimes outside of my uh, window yesterday when the wind was blowing or day before yesterday, just making noise, banging against each other, but it wasn't no tune, no tune. Verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, and maybe that has something to do with the word of wisdom, understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, And though I have all faith, notice this, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. We've seen tongues, prophecy, perhaps the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and faith. Six gifts mentioned, I believe, so far in these first two verses. Five or six gifts. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, gift of helps, and though I give my body to be burned, sacrificing oneself, this could have been the idea of branding, being branded by a slave, giving your body to be burned, and where you are substituting yourself for the redemption of someone else from slavery. So he says, though I give my body to be burned, Though I give my body, but have not love, it profits me nothing. I don't know, guess helps maybe on that one. Verse 6, now he goes into this beautiful description of love. What does love do? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. All right? So notice here, I'm going to stop for just a second. And emphasize here, think about what every, everything Paul said about love here. Think about it in the context of how the Corinthians were living with their spiritual gifts and seeking to bring attention to themselves with their spiritual gift. Oh, I, I have a word of wisdom. Hold on, everybody. I have a word of wisdom. I've got to share it with you. Oh, wait, everybody. I have a word of knowledge. I have a word of knowledge. Please, everybody, give me your attention. Give me your attention. I have a word of knowledge. I have faith. I have the faith to bring this about. You see, they were bringing attention to themselves. When this person had this gift, they envied it and they wanted the attention brought back on themselves. 
That's why Paul is going into this about love because he's causing them to realize that love surpasses all of these things. And if you all would love one another, then your gifts are going to be used in the right way at the right time for the right reason. So he's pointing them to love because love never fails. Love will not end. But the gifts will. Okay, does that make sense? When you see 1 Corinthians 13 in that light, in that context, it makes a lot of sense why Paul wrote these things about love. The Corinthians were missing it big time. So it never fails. Now let's go to verse 9. We've reached the climax. Now it's like a major letdown for the rest of the chapter. I mean, this is the biggest letdown probably in the Bible. Uh, because it's like, you know, you get on a roller coaster, whoom, you go up to the top and whoom, you go down. Then you go up to the next one, you get up to the top and it just stops and it just kind of eases down and goes back into the bay where, where you started from. Like, are you kidding me? And we go here to verse 9. He says, for, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with, done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Thankfully, he brings it back around to the to love being the greatest, being the most important. But he goes into this saying that that we do these things in part. At, at that time, when the Corinthians wrote this, or when Paul wrote this to the Corinthians, he realized we're doing this in part, prophesying in part. We know in part. But then he says, "But when that which is perfect has come, now." What is that which is perfect? Now, I realize that there are some of you brothers and sisters here this morning who have a word of wisdom and you have a word of knowledge and you know exactly what this perfect thing is here. And I appreciate that. But I struggle with it. I struggle with knowing exactly what it is. But here's something I would go to to give you an indicator about maybe what he's talking about. Uh, Go there to verse 12. He says, you know, in verse 12, he says, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Back then it would have been a piece of polished bronze. They would have polished it up. They would have used that as their mirror. It wouldn't have been anything nearly as good as our mirrors, but that's what they would have used back then. Some sort of piece of metal, bronze, polished it up. So he says, we see in a mirror dimly. Verse 12, now I know in part. So the Apostle Paul says, I know in part. But then I shall know just as I also am known. Now, I would ask you this question. When is that? When would Paul know just as he is known? When will Paul one day See face to face. 
All right, I would encourage you to chase that out. I'm not going to do it all here this morning. But I would also give you a cross-reference. The cross-reference is Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 13. I'll read it. Ephesians 4.13. He says here, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. The word perfect there, teleon, I believe is what it is, is the same word that's used in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, about that which is perfect has come. When that which is complete has come. Here he says, when we come to the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a complete man, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And you'll note that previous to this in verse 11, spiritual gifts are talked about. So the gifts lead to completion. In chapter 13, the gifts lead to that which is perfect. It ultimately leads to a seeing face to face and knowing just as we are already known. Now, if that's not vague enough for you, um, I don't know how much more vague I could get. Let's go on to chapter 14. All right, now we're going to have the guardrails in 1 Corinthians 14. The guardrails, what are they? Let me give them to you before I forget. The, they are edification and order in the church. So Paul's talked about spiritual gifts, The Corinthians are all wrapped up in spiritual gifts. He's given them instruction about them. Now he's talked about love, how it's greater than any spiritual gift. And if you don't have love, you don't have anything. You are nothing if you don't have love. But yet you're trying to minister your spiritual gift in the church. And now let's go to a little case study. Guardrails we're going to find here. Look at verse uh, chapter 14, verse 1. I'm going to jump back here to my notes. I haven't used them so far, so I don't know why I'd want to start now. But uh, I want to point out what the definition of this word. In chapter 14, verse 1, pursue love. The word pursue there means to follow in haste, to press forward. All right? Follow in haste, press forward, strive for it. Pursue love. And then he says, and desire spiritual gifts. So the word for desire, spiritual gifts, means to set one's heart on, to be deeply committed to something, to have a deep concern for it. So pursue love, go hard after love, but have a desire for spiritual gifts. And then he goes on in verse 1, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Verse three, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. 
What is prophecy in the church? It's when the Word of God is spoken and it brings edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Let me give you an example of a word of exhortation in the New Testament. The book of Hebrews. At the end of it, in chapter 13, verse 22, he says, Bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you with a few words. So, here he tells us that he who prophesies does these three things. Verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues. But even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Are you seeing a word repeated often here? It starts with an E. Anybody? Edification. Verse 6. But now, brethren, I come to you speaking with tongues. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. Verse 10. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world. And none of them without significance. Or none is without meaning. Therefore, if uh, I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner, a barbarian to him who speaks. And he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts. See that about the Corinthians? They're zealous for spiritual gifts. He says, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, Paul says, and I will also pray with understanding, with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? Since he does not understand what you say. Verse 17. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. There we see that word again, edified. Verse 18. I thank my God 
I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people. And yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. We're on verse 22. Therefore, tongues are for a sign. Not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. So in other words, who is prophecy for? It's for the church. Tongues is a sign for unbelievers. Verse 23, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, they will say, that will they not say to you that, that you are out of your mind? You're insane. You people are crazy. Verse 24. But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, in verse 25, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. That's the edification part of this. Paul is most concerned not with how spiritual the Corinthians seem to be because they are able to speak in some other language, in some tongue, whether it be the tongues of men or the tongues of angels. He is most concerned that the church be edified. Edified means to be built up. And how will they be built up? They will be built up through, the, through prophecy. That is a word that brings edification exhortation and comfort to men. We would see in verse 25 that it is the result of the word of God being preached. First Hebrews chapter 4, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Exactly what happens in verse 25. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. Now, let's go to the order part and we'll wrap this thing up. Again, we don't want this to be a hostage situation this morning. We're going to read through this in verse 26 to see the order part. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. 
If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. Verse 31, for you all can prophesy one by one that all may, now note this in verse 31, the prophecy is that all may, what? Learn and all may be encouraged. Verse 32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. Verse 34. Now, I, I could have left off before this, but I'm going to go ahead and work through it. Let your women keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive. As the law also says. You can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. Verse 35. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it only that it, or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Verse 38, And if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. You see the guardrails? For the use of tongues, not tongues, but the use of gifts in the church. The guardrails are edification and order. If gifts are bumping over or outside of those guardrails, then they are out of line. For what Christ has ordained for his church, for the edification and the order of the church. Now, we'll, we'll leave off there this morning. We've seen the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. We've seen the greatest in 1 Corinthians 13. And we've seen the guardrails in 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for Jesus who has saved us from our sins for everybody who's in Christ, Lord, our Savior is Jesus. And God, um, He has not left His church without, a, without knowing how we are to conduct ourselves, how she is to conduct herself. But Lord, You've given us Your Word and I thank You for it. Now, Lord, I just pray that as we've looked into this, I pray, Lord, that, that, that we'd realize that apart from Christ and who He is and what He has done, we... we we don't have the church. 
We are your bride. And God, we are being made ready for you one day. Lord, I thank you that you've given gifts that bring about that perfect man that enable us to grow into the measure of the stature of full of the fullness of Christ to a perfect man. And that, Lord, one day we will see you face to face and we will know as we are already known. Father, you know everybody here. You know everybody, whether they're a believer or not. And God, for those who are, I pray they'll be encouraged and comforted and exhorted by your word today. Lord, I pray for those who are not in Christ. God, won't you please, uh, through the gospel of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you'd save them. Cause them to realize their need to be a part of the church because they've been saved by the power of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.